Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, folks will delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. If you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Again, that's pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, today we're going to talk about the Passover and what led up to the Passover. So immediately from the word go, we learn in Exodus chapter 5 verse 1 that Moses and Aaron went to see Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go for they must go out into the wilderness to hold a religious festival in my honor. The Egyptian pharaoh was familiar with many gods. In fact, Egypt was filled with them, but he had never heard of the God of Israel. So the pharaoh made a wrong assumption that the God of the Hebrews couldn't be very powerful. We must be tenacious in expressing our faith. Our spiritual eyes allow us to see the Lord God of Israel. We are powerful because God's Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. So God gave Moses a message to convey to Pharaoh on his behalf. And Pharaoh didn't want to listen. We plant the seeds and then the Holy Spirit, it's up to him to harvest them. And we must trust that God will open minds and soften stubborn hearts. But Pharaoh's heart became harder and harder with every plague instituted against the Egyptians for not allowing the Hebrews to be freed. The Hebrews became more oppressed and had to work harder than before. But Moses even had a challenging time getting his own people to believe in him. And Moses, though, he was persistent and he often felt alone until one day the Hebrews finally did believe. And God made Moses to be a peer to him. And the Pharaoh didn't feel inferior to Moses at all. And because of Pharaoh's hard heart, God sent 10 plagues upon Egypt. In essence, he gave them 10 chances to repent and let the Hebrews go. And the Pharaoh would acknowledge the plague, vowing to let the people go. And then he would change his mind after the plague had dissipated. So the first plague consisted of blood. This affected the people's water. The fish died, the river smelled, and Moses raised his staff and hit the water of the Nile. But Pharaoh's magicians copied the plague by using secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart was unmoved. 
And this was after Moses had already shown the staff that had turned into the snake. And then the magicians duplicated God here too, turning Pharaoh's staff into a snake as well. And these magicians used trickery and sorcery to copy parts of God's work. But the magicians were not as powerful as God. Had they been, they would have reversed the plagues, not added to them. So have you ever wished to see a miracle from God? We've all experienced God's miracles in our lives. Perhaps you're asking at this point how, but think about the ultimate miracle was our free gift of eternal salvation through our faith in him. This is something the Pharaoh never obtained. So now it's on to the second plague, which consisted of frogs. And the frogs came up out of that first plague water and completely covered the land. And again, Pharaoh's magicians duplicated the miracle by sorcery. And Pharaoh then was completely unmoved. So God would continue to harden Pharaoh's heart each time there was a break within the plagues. His disobedience to God brought much suffering to himself and to his nation. And it's good to be tenacious, to be persistent, but when we're stubborn, it's really self-centered. And at the middle of self-centeredness, it has its root of pride. And pride is listed as an abomination to the Lord in Proverbs. As a matter of fact, it tops God's hate list. So the number three plague was gnats. All of the dust of Egypt became a massive swarm of gnats. But here the magicians were unable to duplicate this plague, calling it the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart remained hard. The fourth plague was flies. Swarms of flies covered the land. At this point, Pharaoh promises to let the Hebrew people go, but he wanted a compromise. And you know, when we work with God, there's no compromising. He wants total obedience. That's what's necessary. He does not allow partial obedience. So then Pharaoh hardens his heart even more and refuses digging his heels in. The fifth plague came along and it only affected the Egyptians. All of their livestock would die, but none of Israel's was even sick. And Pharaoh still wouldn't let the people go. The sixth plague, all people experience a horrible breakout of boils. Remember this had happened to Job also. And even the magicians here would experience the boils, rending them useless for counterattacks. But the Pharaoh refused to listen. The seventh plague, God warned Pharaoh to let his people go. If he would not, God said he would send a plague that would really speak to him and his officials and all the Egyptian people. This would prove that there was no other God like our true God in all of the earth. So God sent hail and the hailstorms killed all the slaves and animals left out or unprotected and stripped or destroyed almost every plant. And Pharaoh finally admits his sin, but he changes his mind and refuses to let the Hebrews go. Simultaneously, God was saying, fine, Pharaoh, have it your way. And God would permanently harden Pharaoh's heart. Did God negate Pharaoh's free will choice by permanently hardening his heart here? I would argue no. 
God was confirming Pharaoh's choice of a life that's been resistant to him all along. And this is a key takeaway for us. We can't go through life continuing to resist God and think one day we may turn back toward him. The chance may be taken away from us if we wait too long. If we ignore God's voice, there will come a time when we can no longer perceive it. So now we're on to the eighth plague, which is locusts. These locusts cover all of Egypt. They eat everything left after the hail. And at this point, everyone has advised Pharaoh to let the people go. And yet he continues to harden his own heart all the more. So the ninth plague comes along. It's total darkness covering the land for three days. No one can move except the Hebrews who have light. Here again, Pharaoh promises if God brings light back, he'll let the people go. And then what does he do? You already know. He refuses. So these plagues have been serious, but now God ups ups the ante. God also told Moses to retell this drama to his descendants. Moses was witness to events few people would ever see. And part of our testimony and sharing with others are the great and miraculous events within our own lives. We must share what God has done in the past and also what he's doing now. Our stories form the foundations of faith for our children, our grandchildren, aunts, uncles, As each one of these increasingly doom-filled plagues inhabited Egypt, their peoples realized their gods were powerless. Conversely, the God of the Hebrews was all-powerful. He was a living personal God, the only true God and the only one deemed worthy of worship. So why didn't Pharaoh want to let the people go? Plain and simple, greed. The Hebrews were free labor, and this was a resource in the asset column of commerce for the Pharaoh. God told Moses one more disaster was to befall the Egyptians in the land. In Exodus chapter 11, verse 1, it says after... After that, Pharaoh will let you go. In fact, he will be so anxious to get rid of you that he will practically force you to leave the country. What is this 10th plague then? It's the death of the firstborn. This was the firstborn of people and cattle. Throughout all the land, the firstborn of all the people and cattle of Egypt die, but Israel is spared. As God had said, Pharaoh and the Egyptians urged the Hebrews to leave quickly. And again, Pharaoh changes his mind and he chases after them. It's no surprise the Pharaoh was double-minded. Exodus chapter 11 verses 4 through 7 says, So Moses announced to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, About midnight I will pass through Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the oldest son of the lowliest slave. Even the firstborn of the animals will die. Then a loud wail will be heard throughout the land of Egypt. There has never been such a wailing before, and these never will be again. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. 
Moses told Pharaoh that God made a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. This distinction was clear in God's mind and was becoming clearer in Moses' mind too. The Hebrew people were limited in their mindsets, thinking either Egyptian slave or free Hebrew. After their freedom came, when they were in the wilderness, God would teach them about his laws, distinctions, and values that would make them his chosen people. God always sees us for who we're becoming, not for who we are right now. Pharaoh was so stubborn that no calamity was going to change his mind until the last one brought by God. While this made Pharaoh act and rush to get the people of Israel out of Egypt, we still see that the Pharaoh wanted nothing to do with God. And God in his mercy and patience gave the Pharaoh every opportunity to change his mind. We learn many important lessons about God and his love for all people, not just his chosen ones, through his compassion he demonstrated with the plagues. We see that he didn't strike all the magicians dead, or Pharaoh for that matter, for repeated disobedience. Matter of factly, God would institute the Passover celebration. He wanted future generations to be aware and learn of what their ancestors endured, accomplished, and overcame. This was Israel's deliverance from Egypt. Today, holidays remind us of what God has done for us. These are teaching tools and opportunities for families to celebrate the goodness of God. How were the Israelites firstborn spared while the Egyptian firstborns died? Well, lamb with zero defects had to be offered as the atoning sacrifice. This was how the people bought back their redemption. It was killed and its blood placed on the door frames of each home. The innocent lamb represented the person who would have died. And that night, the firstborn son of every family that did not have blood on the door frame was killed. The lamb's blood protected them. This was an Old Testament foreshadowing of the coming of Christ, who would be the ultimate atoning sacrifice for all of mankind inside the home. The Israelites ate a meal consisting of roasted lamb, bitter herbs, and unleavened bread. This was bread made without yeast. It could be made quickly because the dough didn't need to rise. And this allowed the people to be able to leave at any time on a moment's notice. The bitter herbs represented the bitterness of slavery. The Hebrews ate this meal in their traveling clothes. They were standing in faith for their upcoming freedom from slavery. Exodus chapter 12 verse 11 puts it this way. Wear your traveling clothes as you eat this meal as though prepared for a long journey. Wear your sandals and carry your walking sticks in your hands. Eat the food quickly for this is the Lord's Passover. God tells the Hebrews, the blood you've smeared on your doorpost will serve as a sign. When I see blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. God had the Hebrews make the Passover an annual remembrance. This was how God delivered the Israelites from Egypt. And each year, the people paused to remember when the destroyer 
God's angel passed over their homes. After pausing, they gave thanks to God for saving them from death and bringing them out of bondage and into freedom. Now we all can participate in the Lord's Supper as our Passover remembrance of our new life from and freedom from sin. Like the Hebrews, we've been delivered and we are free in our new life with Jesus. The book of Joshua in chapter 5 verse 10 notates the Israelites celebrating the first Passover in the promised land. This was a joyous celebration. It was only the third one celebrated to date since the exodus from Egypt. Prior to this one, the second was celebrated at the foot of Mount Sinai 39 years earlier. This celebration was a reminder of God's mighty miracles that brought them out of Egypt. There they had to eat an haste, but here they ate in celebration of God's promises and God's blessings. So friends, today, if you want to become a child of God, participating in that Lord's Supper and spending eternity in heaven, not elsewhere, I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus Christ. Simply repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe that your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And get into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers. Now let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you have ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. And one of Priest Aaron's contributions that he left for us is this benediction. As you go out into the world, allow me to pray this blessing over you from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. And we'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love in action looks like. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together. So please join me. And if you like this podcast, please consider hitting like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. Until next time, friends, be blessed.